Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Chit Chat, an academic show about university life and you. My name is Jeremy Roberts. I'm Rebecca Rison. And we are here with our first guest, Ms. Betsy Sawyer, on episode one of the Chit Chat. Betsy Sawyer is a graduate of LSU. Yeah, well, it's a good one. But she is also a graduate of the University of Mississippi School of Law. This show is about all universities, but we just love Miss Sawyer because she came to the right time. <laughs> Betsy is also one of our instructors for our ADHE classes here at the University of Mississippi in the Center for Student Success and First Year Experience. And she is also a student coach where she works with students on life coaching outside of her teachings here with us at the University of Mississippi. So Betsy, thank you so much for joining us on episode one of the Chit Chat. Thank you all, thank you all for having me. Yes, so just tell us about yourself. Tell us anything and everything you want us to know about you, Betsy. Absolutely, so I am originally from Gulfport, so Mississippi Gulf Coast. Um, graduated from college, Jeremy, as you said, from LSU, <laughs> thank y'all for not holding that against me. Um, finished a little early, so December of 08, and moved to DC for about six months. Um, while I was in DC, I decided to take the LSAT and apply for law school. Um, I had graduated with a BS in psychology from LSU, and really enjoyed psychology. Um, had really debated on whether I wanted to get my PhD um, or my law degree. But after being in DC, I kind of realized that law was really the next step for me and part of that next step of my path. So applied to law school, got accepted to Ole Miss for law school, moved home. I'm at the end of May, got a golden doodle and was home for about two months and then moved to Oxford. So first time in Oxford, my parents both graduated from the University of Mississippi. So I'd spent a good bit of time at Ole Miss as a kid, football games, that sort of thing. Um, I actually remember growing up playing tennis, my favorite hat to play tennis in said Ole Miss Rebels on it. So um, it was red and white and blue, and it was my favorite hat as a kid to play tennis in. So um, was kind of, um, you know, ingrained Ole Miss was in my life as a kid. And so I figured at some point I'd end up in Oxford. Um, so moved there for law school, was there for three years, graduated, and in May of 2012, um, had two clerkships after law school, two judicial clerkships, um, and practiced law after that for a little while. Um, I'm still an active, actively licensed attorney, so I keep my license active. Um, and I got started teaching in the fall of 2015. So, um, have been have been in Oxford for most of that time. Um, started out teaching a couple of classes and that, you know, it kind of progressed from there to a couple more classes in this, you know, different semesters and really have enjoyed it. Um, right around the time I started teaching, um, I had the idea to um, do training with the Institute for Life Coach Training and get certified as a board certified life coach um, and have worked with a good bit of students and individuals in life coaching academic coaching, success, like student success, coaching, um, career coaching, and have really enjoyed it. So. That's good. That's really good. So how did you get started in academics? You started teaching a few classes here and there, but what, what drove you 
to want to actually go on now the other side and become an instructor in front of students. Absolutely. So um, I had heard a lot of really good stuff about the Center for Student Success and first year experience that that program and those programs within the University of Mississippi. Um, and I reached out to the former director um, about teaching and applied, um, sent in my resume and started teaching and had two classes, two 105 classes, so two freshman courses in the fall of 15 and um, then ended up teaching, you know, 101 and 303 and different classes from there. So um, had just really heard great things about the program within the university and I was living in Oxford and teaching just seemed like something I would really enjoy. I enjoyed giving, you know, guest lectures and speaking in front of groups and different sort of thing. And so I never really minded, um, you know, standing in front of others and presenting things. And so I thought, well, you know, I like learning, I like reading, and this might be a really good avenue for me and working with freshmen might be really interesting. So. And did you find it interesting working with freshmen? I did. I did. I have. You know, it's really fascinating um, how much you see the 18-year-olds have changed kind of over the years. Um, and for better or for worse, it's they've changed. And it's funny because, you know, I think everyone thinks, okay, all 18-year-olds are the same everywhere in every generation. And I think depending on the culture and depending on what's going on in the world, it has changed so much. You know, watching the freshmen this past semester um, and their resiliency going through all this with, you know, COVID-19 um, was really fascinating for me. You know, my first um, semester of college was when Hurricane Katrina had basically wiped out the entire Mississippi Gulf Coast and really impacted my family. Um, and so, um, you know, my parents' office was destroyed and that was just really a really challenging time for me because my parents were, um, you know, so busy with that. And it was my first semester of college and, you know, everyone's lives were just really turned upside down for my hometown. And so um, the resiliency, I really noticed a lot in these students um, dealing with this international pandemic and watching them, you know, go from their freshman year when they are, have this newfound freedom and these new friends and this, you know, all this, this newness and then having to go back home right at spring break and then never getting to come back um, from there for the rest of the semester and being back at home and, you know, having to navigate all of that, watching that with them was really fascinating for me um, because it just brought up a lot of memories from my first semester in college and my time, um, which was a real challenge for me at the time. So I've really enjoyed it. And again, every semester, it feels different. Um, every student is different. Every every freshman class is different. Every transfer class is different. And it's really funny, even watching the students on who picked the 9 a.m. class versus the 2 p.m. class, mm -hmm. you know, watching that class, that culture of the classroom is just has been fascinating. So, no, I absolutely enjoy it. I think it's probably the, my favorite work alongside with, you know, doing, working with individuals in a coaching setting. Um, it has been my favorite, favorite job. Well, we, we definitely know you're good at it because your students have uh, continually nominated you for awards. So you've won the EDHE 101 Instructor of the Year Award, you've won the EDHE 303 Instructor of the Year Award, and for those who are tuning in to our um, show here, as you know, um, or may not know, a lot of these kids are on academic probation. In fact, these classes are exclusively for students on academic probation. Um, and so 
you know, we'd love to hear about your experiences teaching students on probation and how you have gotten to be such um, a great instructor. Like what, what is your teaching philosophy? Um, what have your experiences been like with our probation students? Anything you'd like to share? Thank you for that. That was really kind of appreciate it. I felt so honored when they when they nominated me this semester, um, especially given all that was going on for them. Um, it just it was a total honor for me. You know, my philosophy when I go into teaching every um, semester really centers around looking at each student uniquely. You know, um, growing up, I kind of found that it's a very uh, it's very it's very easy for each student to kind of be grouped together as the same who come, you know, people thinking everyone has the same background and the same struggles and the same, um, you know, educational pursuits and all those sorts of things. And that's just not really, really the case. Um, I have noticed that each student is different. Um, each student is background, each student's background is different. And even if from a distance, even objectively, if it looks the same, everyone has a different struggle. And so, especially for the students who, you know, wind up on academic probation because of so many different things that happen in the fall, you know, whether it's a, um, a struggle with alcohol or drugs or whether it's a family situation, you know, somebody's mom and dad get a divorce or they have a death in the family or, you know, something terrible happens um, to them personally. Um, you know, there are so many different things or, you know, they just don't get up and go to class because they're not used to the new found freedom um, and they maybe haven't developed the skills they need to be able to do that. For me, the philosophy is really to walk into that classroom and look at that classroom and say to myself, each of these individuals, each is different. So each individual is different. And so as a result, I can't treat them the same. Um, now, that doesn't mean that I give more leeway to some than others. It's not that. It's that I have to be present in different ways to different individuals. And I have to be able to look at each face and know there is a struggle under there for everybody, um, as there is for all of us. And so to be really aware of that, and to really be ready to work with that. Um, you know, each has a different skill, each has different talents, each has, you know, their, their intellectual um, capacity is different for each one and their desires for what they want their future to look like is different. Um, so it's really just a, um, about looking at each one and saying, okay, I'm here to serve, I'm here to help. Um, how can I do that for each of these individuals? So Betsy, how does the world of coaching mesh with what you're doing for students that are on probation? So, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I feel like in a way I'm kind of a coach for each student, especially the ones who are on academic probation. Um, you know, yes, it's kind of mentoring in a way, but it's also coaching in a way. Um, you know, it's about asking the right questions. It's about um, really ascertaining the right information. Because for some of them, you know, it's funny, in the beginning of the semester, there will be students who don't want because they think that, you know, I already know this, I'm coaching, and it's kind of coaching, um, you know, collectively, it's kind of coaching as a group, but within that, there are different approaches that have to be, um, 
had with each individual student. So the same way that I would approach a coaching client where, you know, uh, I work with an individual and then I work with another individual another day at another time. And it's a completely different, um, they have a completely different goal. The reality is, is it's kind of like looking at a classroom and saying, okay, we have, you know, 18, 20, 30 different students sitting here and I have to kind of coach each one in a different way um, and present things differently depending on the student. Um, so, you know, I heard something that coaching is a lot like holding up a mirror. Um, and I've also heard that same phrase used for people with marriage, you know, marriage is like holding up a mirror, you know, and so you hold up this mirror to these students in a way, I mean, not, you know, I'm not actually holding up a mirror to them, but that's the, that's the, the idea of it, right? That they have, that we're holding up this mirror and that all the answers are within themselves. Um, they just really have to have the right questions asked and the right um, things really pulled out of them to be able to determine what their goal is and what they're looking for. So there's a lot of overlap. And I feel like the training that I did um, with the um, Institute for Life Coach Training really was beneficial for me as far as teaching goes. And same with teaching and coaching. Um, there's so much similarities. I think that mirror exercise may be something that we can incorporate in class. I know. It's very Absolutely. interesting to do. Um, the ones who would be interested in doing it, and then the other ones could do it at home, but that's a very good analogy of looking within oneself. Right. So that could be something that we actually can get small mirrors for all of our students and right. see what we could try to do to get them to open up more. Right. Well, and I think that part of the, I think part of what happens is, you know, when it can be so easy with teaching that we walk into a classroom and we look at every person and we're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And we, and we lecture, right. And we go through this lecture with them and we tell them what to do and that's it. The problem with a lot of them, especially the ones on academic probation is they, they haven't really looked at why they're on academic probation. Um, so because they haven't really looked at it, it's more of, well, let's just make this semester look different. Let's do better, right? They go home and mom or dad, grandparent, guardian, who, you know, whoever their guardian is, will say, you know, you did poorly this semester. This other semester can't happen the same way, especially mm -hmm. if someone else is in the family's paying for their tuition. They don't want it to happen again. They don't want them to have a one-eight. So what ends up happening is they feel so much pressure to change things but they don't really know what they need to change. Right. Um, so, you know, one of the first things I do, um, sorry, y'all, my computer just shut off for a minute. Um, one of the first things I do um, in the beginning of every semester is I, especially with my students on academic probation is to ask them, you know, I want to do an exercise where we really brainstorm why you're, why you're in this classroom. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know a lot of you are probably angry with me because you have to be in here, right? Because um, there's that frustration of, you know, Miss Sawyer is just, you know, the wicked person who's making me take this class. Um, and I am keeping them from, you know, having a, you know, sleeping in till 11 and all that because they have to be in my classroom at nine. Um, but it's really about saying, okay, I know we're all upset we have to be here. Um, I'm the only one who wants to be here. So as a result, um, why don't we look at how we can um, use this semester as a means of progress rather than just kind of sitting and being sad and, you know, worrying and all those sorts of things. Like all that's part of it, but let's look at a way we can move forward rather than just kind of 
sitting and drowning in our misery. Um, and so it's kind of looking at it and saying, okay, what are the reasons? Why are we here? You know, did you, did you use a planner last semester? Did you set goals? Um, you know, do you have time management skills? Do you, do you procrastinate? Do you know how to prioritize things? What does your social life look like? You know, do you have a hometown honey that you run home and see every Thursday evening and we're here because hometown honey is keeping us from succeeding. You know, there's so many things. Um, or was it simply that mom and dad got a divorce and, you know, we really, maybe you should process that with a counselor on campus and kind of move forward. So, um, and you know, like all the academic coaching stuff that the center has been doing that y'all have been doing has been so beneficial. Um, you know, I had my students watch some of the video lectures from the website, like the coaching one or, you know, different things, time management or different things. And they were really beneficial and had them write journals on that. Um, so y'all are doing so much to really help those students already. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. We appreciate that. And of course, all your hard work and, also, just, you know, you have this special skill set of being a coach, an instructor, a psychology background, an undergrad, and now also an attorney. Do you feel like being an attorney helps you as an instructor in some ways, even if it's not teaching law per se? But um... Absolutely. You know, I always tell people, um, I had somebody call me recently who is just graduating from college and is thinking about going to law school. Um, and it's also thinking about psychology. So similar, um, similar dreams that I had. And, um, you know, she, we talked for about an hour about law school and why law school and those sorts of things. And I always tell people, you know, going to law school will never, it will never be a detriment. Having that degree will never be a detriment to your life. Um, you know, it might set you back three years if you want to go to medical school, right? Like it might be, it might put you in a situation where you have a lot of loans if you want to go to medical school and you didn't maybe, you know, think about that ahead of time. But if you want a law degree, having a law degree is not going to hurt you. Um, and it's a really wonderful education. Um, for me, it taught me to think critically in a way that nothing else would have. Um, in fact, I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I even think the same today as I did prior to August of 2009, um, you know, you, it really formulates your, really helps to formulate your thought processing in a way that nothing else really can. Um, and it was really beneficial for me. I, um, I would definitely go back and do it again. And I think that it's really benefited me. Um, you know, a lot of people ask, well, is there, is there any overlap with psychology and law, you know? Um, and for me, I think there was. My focus in law school was criminal law. So I got my certification in criminal law and that the psychology background was really helpful for me. I found this, the kind of coupling of those two things was very fascinating, especially with working with clients. Mm -hmm. Oh, good deal. So, Betsy, here's a question for you. If you were to look at the world of academics right now, what is one thing that excites you? It doesn't have to be here at Ole Miss. It can just be academics in general. But what's something that actually excites you? Well, and I was actually about to use Ole Miss as an example here. Um, you know, a lot of universities are doing a good job with their academic coaching. Um, and they're really, really utilizing coaching within their departments. 
especially their student success department or their first year experience department. Ole Miss has done a fantastic job with incorporating coaching and academic coaching within the, the Center for Student Success. Um, I am really amazed at how well y'all have incorporated that and how y'all have gotten the word out. Um, I think, you know, I've even seen community colleges are starting to utilize coaching and having Center for Student Successes. And I think that those um, centers are really beneficial for students, um, especially freshmen and especially transfer students. Um, that first year experience is just so helpful for them. I um, mean, it really helps to acclimate them to the college life. And I think, um, I think all universities, if they can get the funding for it, and if they can really um, find a good blueprint um, for it, um, you know, like Ole Miss, for example, you know, using Ole Miss as, an, as a, you know, um, as something to recreate for themselves. Um, it's been, it's just so helpful for those students and they need somebody to come and sit and talk to and help coach them and guide them throughout the process because um, the world is just, it's changed a lot, you know, as, as large as the world is, it's getting more and more connected because of social media and the internet and all those sorts of things. And so um, being able to kind of navigate career paths and all that um, coaching is really helpful for that. And I really am excited to see that being implemented in universities. Yeah, we, Definitely enjoy the coaching aspect of our department. Um, so with academic support, with what we do, we've got coaching, we've got academic consultations, student success workshops, those kind of things to get students who not even on probation, suspension or dismissal, but just at the university in general. Um, we gear most of our coaching towards our freshmen um, because they come in from high school with that mindset of the eight to three and then afterwards they've got everything planned out well then when they come to college it's completely different for them they get to make their own schedule just like you said you know may not want to wake up at nine o'clock for that first class may not have a class until noon or two or something on a certain day well we can help them kind of get acclimated to time management organization study skills those kind of things just to get them back on track or whatever the new track may be because with them being fresh in college we've got to figure out something new and that's what a lot of them maybe have some issues with and then consultations we do with students to help them with their study skills which is what we do with a lot with our classes as well and then the videos that you um, spoke about those are our workshops that we have for students to come in and learn from our staff, our graduate assistants about time management, organization, different study skills that are out there. So thank you for bringing those up um, so more people can know about them. And what we'll do is we'll link that information in the description box of this video as well, just so students will know. And we'll also um, link Betsy's coaching information in the box as well just those people if they want to contact you they'll be able to but um definitely thank you for bringing up that point because rebecca and i have looked at a lot of other schools and seen what they're doing and we look at other departments on campus and see what they're doing so being able to work with not just biology majors or not just business majors we're able to work with students from 
the first day they enter to after they leave. We work with graduate students who come to us and say, hey, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. Help me out with some stuff. So those kind of things have been beneficial for us as well. And no day is ever the same. No. I don't know if I'd want any day to be ever the same. Right. Well, and it's the same with no client is the same, you know, right. no student is the same. And, I, and I'm glad you mentioned it about, you know, how beneficial coaching is within the university setting. Um, because that's the thing, you know, students leave home at the end of August and start college and a week before it's not everyone's story, but I would say most that I have seen somebody else has been managing everything else for them for the last 18 years. Right. So then they're swiftly kicked out of the house and a week later, they're supposed to know how to do everything. Um, they're supposed to know how to get groceries, wash clothes and dry clothes in a building with tons of people. Mm -hmm. live in a room with a roommate when most of them have never had a roommate. Um, you know, um, get to class on time when they're used to having someone else wake them up. Um, all of these sorts of things, you know, um, have a schedule where they may have three classes in one day and they have to navigate their social life and their homework and their studies and their classes and their, you know, their health, whether it's mental health, spiritual health, emotional, physical. Um, and here they are. And everyone's like, well, what happened? Well, what happened is, is they had about a week to figure it out. Right. <laughs> you know, and they're used to somebody saying, did you do your homework? Did you do, you know, they're used to, you know, I mean, it being illegal if they don't go, if they skip enough classes in high school. Um, and then they have a truancy case brought, you know, so this is, it's so funny to me how, um, how everyone, everyone gets so surprised with college students when they end up in on academic probation or, you know, in these predicaments because they're so used to not doing any of these things. And, um, and again, I think it's just how it happens. I think that's just the nature of, you know, raising kids and then sending them off to college thinking, okay, well, I taught them all this stuff. And then they go and here we are, they get a one eight. So, um, so I think it's a lot of it is really just kind of not only honing in on their skills and their interests, because a lot of them take classes, you know, they pick majors, they want to declare a major real fast, they declare a major based on what mom and dad has have done for their career, or what their older sibling has done, or what somebody says will make them a lot of money, right, um, or requires the least education. Um, and then they pick this major, and it's like, well, you don't even like it, like, you didn't even like that class. So why is that your major? So a lot of it is just changing the dynamic um, that kind of already exists. Um, and I think the coaching is so beneficial, especially for parents to encourage it with the students, because a lot of the times the students really just need that fire to kind of encourage them and say, hey, why don't you go talk to somebody? Um, because, you know, some of them might need counseling, but coaching is very different than counseling and it's not the same thing. And sometimes what they need is just to show up get an academic coach and see what's going on, you know, and come to the workshops, you know, the workshops are so beneficial and it's like coaching in a nutshell. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely, I, I found that coaching at the university has been so helpful for those kids. Um, 
And I've really enjoyed kind of sending them that way and getting them, you know, some of that help, whether it be just watching the video online. Mm -hmm. So thank you all for what you're doing for them. Well, thank you. Thank you. Do you have any um, maybe just general advice that you give students or anything you'd like to share? I guess advice for students, parents, other staff members who are teaching, any advice in general you'd like to share? Yeah, so I'll break all of those down and I'll do one like one at a time. Uh, I'll start with the students. So I would say my advice is, is when they start um, each semester to not wait till midterms to get started. Um, first week, take advantage of the free time. Take advantage of the freedom, set a schedule, get your books, do all the things you need to do ahead of time. Um, map out where your classes are, figure out how long it's going to take to get there, you know, all these little housekeeping things. Um, and I put together a little list of like housekeeping stuff that might be good to attach that, you know, if you want to the website, if you know, I'm happy to send it to y'all if y'all are interested, and I'm happy to send it out to people that kind of just details, um, like the things to do before the semester starts the first couple of weeks. Um, so really it's take advantage and take advantage of the things the university offers. You know, if, um, if you're dealing with anxiety or depression or a lot of stress or any of that, call somebody at the counseling center. If, you know, if you, um, don't know what you want to do and you really just need somebody to kind of help guide you and, you know, help you through these sorts of difficulties, or you need to really develop some of these skills, get you an academic coach, you know, go to the workshops that they offer. So really take advantage of what the university offers. Um, for the parents, I would say, I think the biggest thing for the students is for them to learn these skills before they leave, um, for them to really kind of have these skills um, kind of ingrained in them before they go, um, and to not assume that they know everything before they go, to not assume that they've learned these things, to probably kind of assume that they don't, and to kind of work on these things before they go, whether that's at 12 years old or whether that's the June before they leave for college to really kind of have those discussions and see what they know and what they don't know, um, including, you know, prioritizing procrastination, all that stuff. Um, and then I would say as far as, you know, other teachers, other staff is when you work with these, when you work with the students, when you're teaching and that sort of thing, remember that they all have a different background and remember that they all have a different story and they're all going to need something different. And I think it's the same with kids, you know, raising, it's like raising kids. Every kid is going to need something different. You know, people always say they raise their kids all the same. And I don't think anybody ever raises their children the same because I think everybody has a different need. Um, so I would say to kind of remember that when you walk in the classroom, everybody has a different need and to really be available to them because you don't know if you're going to be the one that one saves their life um, or two really is the one who directs them in, you know, in the right place that they need to go and helps them on their career path. So those are the, those are the piece of advice I would definitely give. Some good stuff. And to remember that we all have a lot to learn from them. I learn from 18 year olds every semester. Um, so every semester and they humble me. Um, every semester I am humbled by 18 year olds. Um, and, you know, I remember when I first started teaching, I was amazed. I was like, this wasn't me. <laughs> I was such a smart goal oriented student. And then I was like, no, you weren't. <laughs> you procrastinated Betsy so bad. Um, so I think that a lot of it is having the humility of saying, I've been there. 
you know, and I would have benefited immensely from an academic coach in college. Um, I've always been a big believer in, a, in, having, in having a therapist if you need one, you know, just like you got to go to the dentist, you know, there, there are things you got to do. But I think an academic coach would have really benefited me um, in college, and I wish I'd had that. So, so y'all keep up the good work because y'all are going, doing some good stuff over there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love what we do. Um, it's Absolutely. like I was telling you just a few minutes ago, it's never a dull moment in the office. Um, lots of laughs, lots of, really? Yeah. Okay, so now let's figure out the next step to help that person <laughs> with what we've got to do. So how did we get here. <laughs> I asked that myself, so I'm like, how did we get here? But it's okay, we are, so we're gonna work with it. Yeah. Yeah, and we work with a lot of graduate students. So I know this semester or this past spring, you had several graduate students that worked with you in your classes. Um, two were actually law students who were in their first year, um, which we hope to have them back this next spring. Um, but what would you say, thinking going back to your freshman year? did you come in as a psychology major or did you change your major to psychology after going, Hmm, I think I want to change something. Cause I know I did. I changed from being a biology major to an English major, which is completely different. Um, and then picked up a second emphasis in hospitality management, which again is completely different than any of those. So Thinking back to when you were a freshman, what was your aha moment of, is this right? Do I need to change things? And now this is definitely right. This is what I want to do. Well, I'm still waiting on that aha moment. Um, <laughs> so, um, we do. Still right, right. I love those. I mean, give me an aha moment every day. Um, yeah. So I went into college with a finance degree, finance. finance and economics, not a degree. Finance and economics was my major. Yeah. Um, I had started at Spring Hill in Mobile um, before I transferred. So I was there about a year, um, small Jesuit college um, and started there liberal, liberal arts before I transfer LSU. So I was a finance and economics major um, because those two were combined. So they were one. Um, when I transferred to LSU, because both of my parents work in finance. So when I transferred to LSU, I took, I actually took an economics course. And I remember thinking, oh, I hate this. <laughs> like I hate this class. Um, and it's not that I, I don't like finance and economic, like that, that area um, is very interesting, but the class to me was very dry and boring. Um, and so I was like, this isn't going to work. And the way LSU was is I think finance and economics were separate. You know, this was a hundred years ago. So I think they were separate. Um, so I had to pick one. So I think I picked economics and then I was like, Oh, you should probably take microeconomics. So I took the class and I was like, this ain't gonna work. So, um, I just said ain't. So I ended up changing it. Um, I think I went with psychology. Um, and my brother was getting his master's in counseling. Um, 
and was applying for PhD programs. Um, and so I thought psychology was really interesting. I loved reading self-help books. So I thought, you know, I enjoy like this kind of stuff. So why not? Um, and, and it was, you know, it was, in the arts and sciences. So I could do like, you know, it's liberal arts and stuff. So I could take a lot of English classes. I love to write. So that kind of worked for me. Um, and then I think I changed it a couple of times and then went back, but I kept taking psychology classes. And then I, at one point I changed to broadcast journalism and then I took a journalism course and I was like, no, nah, this ain't for me either. Uh, <laughs> so I stuck with psychology the whole time. I never dropped it, but I think I just kind of would add a major. Yeah. Um, but I still finished in three and a half years. And the reason for that was one, I had a really good advisor at LSU um, who was really good with helping with me with my like degree audit and stuff. But I kept the major, I didn't drop it and then go into a completely different area. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I picked this, like, I think, I think economics was also in the same, under the same umbrella with psychology. So I kind of had continued taking like classes that could be electives and that sort of thing. So that's a very long way of saying I changed my major a lot. Um, and what would have really helped me, um, you know, even when I was in law school, I went and saw somebody at the career center in, in Martindale, um, in the undergrad, um, because I liked law, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it. And so I did, I think it was the strong interest inventory, you know, Myers-Briggs was, you know, really big for taking that test at the time. And I took all these tests. I paid for all these assessments because I wanted to like, see well, what are my interests? What do I want to do? Um, and I think a lot of times it's a process of elimination. Um, and I think that's the biggest piece of advice I can give with that. And I tell my students that every semester, you know, on Ole Miss's website, there is a section for all the degrees, right? So you can go and look at all the degrees, the majors and minors that Ole Miss offers. And I remember telling, I've told several students this, print out that list of, of majors. And I think it might be, might be a couple pages. Mm -hmm. And I want you to cross off every single one that you have zero interest in. And it's a process of elimination. For me, you know, you had mentioned biology. Um, I loved biology. I loved physics. I hated chemistry in high school. So, and I was not very good at it. So I knew that if I got into anything pre-med, pre-nursing, pre-dental, pre-farm, any of that, I would have to take chemistry classes, which there's, that shouldn't be a deterrent if you really want to be a doctor. Um, I could never have worked in a hospital. I would not have been good on call at 2 a.m., um, sick people, hospitals, all that stuff, germs, all that was not my area. So I knew I could cross off anything that had to do with anything in that kind of area. Um, does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Veterinary, you know, going into vet school, um, I could not have ever worked with animals that were dying or sick, cross that off, you know? And so I think a lot of it is really knowing yourself. Um, and I tell my students that, you know, if you don't like to be in front of a camera, meteorology, broadcast, that stuff might not be your area unless you want to be, you know, from more of like a from journalism, for example, a print side. So um, I think that I think that for that, it's really important to look at it and say, you know, what are you interested in? A lot of degrees you're just going to have to get another degree in, right? So if you go into biology, psychology, political science, history, 
there's really not much you can do with a bachelor's in that, especially in this day. Um, so you're going to have to usually get another degree, right? So if you want to get, think about that, you know, if you're going to get a PhD, you're probably going to want to teach, um, or do something in that area. So I always tell my students, I want, it's important to kind of look and then work backwards, look down the road and then work backwards. Um, because I think there's a, and again, that's a very long way of answering this question. Um, I never really had the aha moment. Um, it's for me, it's really been a lot of trial and error. Um, I have a lot of interest. Um, I knew there was a lot of things I could do. Um, and so for me, it was a lot of trial and error for that. But I think for a lot of students, really every student, it's a process of elimination, unless you just absolutely know from the get go what you want to do. Um, and you know, lifestyle is important. It's important to look at life and say, what kind of lifestyle do I want also? Um, what do I want my work hours to look like? You know, if, you know, for people who want to get married and have a family, like what, it, what do you want your lifestyle to look like? You know, how is what your job path look like going to play into that? Um, so I think it's always important to look down the road and then kind of backtrack, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And that was a long answer, so I apologize. Wow. Oh, but I think, a, I think a lot of people wait for that aha moment where they say, I'm going to have this moment and everything is going to change and I'm going to know exactly what I want to do. And all the, all this is going to fall into place and I'm going to just be a rock star at my profession, you know, and I'm going to love it and I'm going to be happy and I'm going to live half right off in the sunset and live happily ever after with my profession. And I don't think that's realistic um, for most people. I'm not saying, I think aha moments happen. I absolutely do. But I think they happen when students really start to kind of look at what am I good at? What am I not good at? What do I like? And what do I really not like? And I always tell my students, you can't be everything you want to be. You know, everyone, you know, a lot of people are raised with this mentality that, you know, you can be everything you want, dream big and, and go for it. And we can't be everything we want. You know, I always tell my students, I would have loved to have been a country music superstar but I can't sing. So it didn't work out for me, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, I took voice lessons. I used to have my parents sit in the living room and I'd run around the house singing really loud Pocahontas and, you know, different stuff from that movie as Disney movies. They told me I had the best voice, but I didn't believe it. Sometime we'll have to have you sing for us. No, you don't want that. <laughs> yes. I'm not in the choir for a reason. <laughs> oh, wow. But you know, I do tell them, you know, if you've got a 1A, you're going to have to get it up if you want to go to medical school. If you yeah. want to be a surgeon, you're going to have to do better than a 1A. So we're going to have to fix our social life, you know? So I think that there are, a lot of it is just with, I, I like to be very upfront with them because it's not that I'm not a dream killer. It's not that I just want them to be realistic about what they want and what they're good at. And you can be a lot of things, maybe not everything, but you can be a lot of things. So it's really about looking at that and saying, what am I good at? And you know, what do I want? What do I not want? And I have found in my life that the best way to find out what you want is to cross out what you don't want. Yeah, I've definitely, I wrote down what you said a lot is, a lot of it is knowing yourself so that speaks volumes going back to what we were talking about with the mirror you know inside and everything else so a lot of it is knowing yourself and that's 
one thing that we try to do with our students, um, I know people in higher education, we want the student to succeed. So once they know themselves, we can get to that next level. And, it's and we just, all have talents. Yeah. Right. We all have gifts. We all have talents. We're all good at different things. Um, but we're not all good at the same things and we're not all good at everything. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think that's what happens a lot is students do so well in high school because either their curriculum is not that hard or they're used to having somebody tell them to do their work or they're smart enough to wait to the last minute. Right. And then they get to college and they pick a really hard major. Um, psychology wasn't tough for me because I found it so fascinating that I loved studying it. Whereas somebody who doesn't find that fascinating is not going to do well in it because it's not fascinating. So if you get to pick one major and you got four years to study it and then maybe a lifetime to work in it, you might want to, you might want to spend a little time with it. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. Well, this brings us almost to the end of our episode one of the chit chat. So Betsy, the last question, do you have anything that you would like to share with anyone at any university? I know that's kind of big and open-ended, but if there's anything you want to share with students, you want to share with parents, you want to share with administrators, anything that you would like to share on top of what all you already told us, which has been a lot of great information, but anything that you would like to say as your parting words for episode <laughs> I think the university should look at how Ole Miss is doing things within y'all's Center for Student Success, how y'all are handling things with your academic coaching, with your workshops. And I think that other universities need to kind of try to mimic that um, and use that as an example. Y'all are doing such a good job with it. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting here with y'all and I love to come be a part of the workshops, you know, and eat the donuts. Um, it's not just that, though I do love the donuts. Um, I would say that it really has been so beneficial for the students and it's been beneficial for my students. Um, you know, getting them, like I said, even as simple as watching the video lectures online and kind of learning these skills. They're short, they're simple, they're to the point. Um, they're clear and they're fun to watch for them. Um, I think that universities really need to, you know, look at how important this academic coaching stuff is for their universities, how much it benefits the students, um, and to really remember that each student has such a different background and each is worthy and each is, you know, not one student is superior to another, whether they're in, you know, a harder major or a harder program or department or, you know, come from a wealthier background or any of those things. No students are, be are better than any other student. And I really think that um, everyone really needs to treat each one of them uniquely um, within the classroom structure and the setting and to really look at how the coaching really can benefit each of those students. And I think the way y'all have done it and set it up is so great. And I think it's a great example for other schools. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Yep. And thank you for joining us today. Lots of good advice. A perfect inaugural person to have on the show. You're the thank inaugural chit-chat, chit-chatter. So yes, thank you for joining us. <laughs> thank y'all, thank y'all. I'm so grateful to be here, so thank you. Thank you, Betsy. We'll talk soon.
Sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye.